This is Sid Haig, and you're listening to Forgotten Flicks. Do you like my playing? I could teach you. I've taught many children. I taught her how, and her mother, how beautiful she was, and how she loved her little girl. She lived and died for her. I wanted to die, too, but they wouldn't let me. What is the good of living when all that you love is gone? Even in death, she couldn't rest. I know. I see her roaming the cliffs at night, searching for her little girl, calling out her name, Alyssa. Welcome to the 2014 Spooky Flicks Fest. Lady in White, 1988. Now, your hosts, Jason and Joel. Hello and welcome and note to future Joel. Edit out the title at the very beginning. (laughs) Because it was said there too. Welcome to this final official episode of the 2014 Spooky Flicks Fest. Today is Halloween, and I am joined by my favorite little jack-o'-lantern himself, Jason. (laughs) Happy Halloween, my friend. Does that mean I have to say thank you for putting your candle in me? What? Only if I light it. And, of course, it's sort of weird to say Happy Halloween because when we're actually recording this is maybe a little two early. and a half weeks early. That's okay. I'm in the spirit for sure. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> well, we are going to cover Lady in White. Cover Lady in no, that didn't sound right. We are going to talk about the ghost story, Lady in White. And just before we get rock and rolling, this was, was this the first time you'd seen it? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. First time. Okay. It was about the fifth or sixth time for me. So okay. this will be an interesting dynamic. It's been a while. It's been like 10 years since I've seen it. So, but I have really? seen it multiple times. Yes. Hmm. So, uh, would you like to, I don't know, uh, here, unless you have something, you know, you want to say at the beginning or we can go right into the trailer. Uh, no, I, am excited. It's Halloween. It's actually, as we've talked about before, uh, one of my favorite, I actually think the last episode we talked about it, <laughs> my favorite times of year. Cause it gets me into these movies, uh, when I normally don't throughout the rest of the year, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Awesome. You ready for the trailer? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's sure not well. a, su- <laughs> it's, it's not a super long one. So, uh, but as soon as we're done, we'll hit the spoiler alert and then Jason's synopses. It's 1962. It's Halloween. I wish I was as weird as you. Thanks. There's nothing wrong with the town of Willow Point Falls. But a powerful imagination can't cure. The London Bridge crumpled under the monster's huge lizard feet. That's impossible. Or is it? But this time, it's not make-believe. No, don't hurt him. It was too dark. I couldn't see his face. This time, it's serious. Deadly serious. I'm telling you, that doesn't matter. This case has been making monkeys out of all of us for the past ten years. And strange. 
very strange. For you have seen a girl. There was a little girl. I saw her. She was killed in the cloakroom. A girl who wants you to find her killer. Will you help me? You have just one hope to solve the mystery. Sometimes when someone dies violent, they can't rest in peace. To stop the evil. Where are you going? I gotta follow her. To save your life. Come here, child. Open the door. Say your prayers. Lady in white. So we meet again for the first time. Oh, no, wait, no, not the first time. The last, the last. So we meet again for the last time, Joel and Jason. I would like to take the time right now to say <laughs> the top state of New York is actually a wonderful place to visit. If you haven't been to Rochester, you should really go there. It's just beautiful this time. You're very scenic and colorful. I'm not being uh, asked to say this on behalf of the upstate New York tourism board or anything like that. I'm just saying it's a wonderful place. You really should go there if you have a chance to. It's wonderful, and especially around this time of year. It's beautiful, and uh, you can see all the places where... Uh, uh, the, the legend of the lady in white, uh, what is her? <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> for everyone else, this review of the lady in white will contain spoilers. Uh, the movie's been out for quite a while now, but any, <clears throat> you have been warned if you actually want to see this film, stop listening right now and come back to this episode uh, when you have actually watched the film so that they're not going to ruin any specific plot points for you. And one last thing, I've not been paid a bloody dime since I started doing this. I'm not doing this anymore. No more. No more. No more. No more. No more. No more. Nothing wrong with the town that a little imagination won't cure. <laughs> other than a child killer who's pushing it <laughs> who's pushing a dozen kills. That that does nothing to do with it. It's imagination that fixes it all. Really it is. It is. In, in the end, it is imagination. So Jason, would you like to give us Really, your last official synopsis. Uh, this is. This is my last official one. Um, and you gave me a, a such an easy one to synopsis. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Summarize this one like a sentence. It's a ghost story set in the early 60s. The end. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you heard a little bit in the trailer there, but this is the story uh, of the town of Willow Point. Is it Willow Point Falls uh... or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Willow Point Falls, which seems a bit wordy, but yes. It's Willow Point Falls. Yes, because it's uh, Willow Point Falls Cemetery that the gates are in. So the whole movie opens up in this uh, small town somewhere. I don't even really know where. Um, it's going through. the driving down. Uh, the guy gets out of the airport, gets into a taxi cab, and the cab driver starts talking to him, uh, saying that his wife— loves his writing work that he this uh, apparently the guy in the cab who we don't see his face uh, in the beginning um apparently he's a famous like horror story writer right 
And uh, the cab driver says, what's it like in L.A.? And he says, oh, it's different. And he says something about local boy makes big. So we get this idea that this is a famous writer of horror stories who is coming back to a small town. At one point, he asks the driver to pull over. They get into a uh, pull over to a cemetery. He walks through the iron gates of the cemetery to these little uh, headstones. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cab driver asks him, did you know him? And he said, oh, I did once upon a time. And then the cabbie says, you don't believe those stories you write, do you? And then he kind of, you just see his eyes, like the camera's just zoomed into this guy's eyes. And that's all we really ever see of his face. Mm -hmm. And he sort of looks off into the distance. Uh, uh, and then it's time warps back to 1962-ish. Um, and it's him as a kid. So the story is his childhood or what happens as a kid mm -hmm. um, to him. And as you heard in there, the, the, the real motivation behind this is it's Halloween. He gets locked in the coat closet at his school and he sees the ghost of a little, of a little girl uh, and she has been murdered some 10 years before. And that sets off that there, there is a killer in town. Uh, and the story is really who is it and how do they find this killer and, and that type of thing. So um, there's a subplot that there's also the, the urban legend of the lady in white, which mm -hmm. is not the little girl, which is confusing. But we'll get to that. That's subplot uh, number one. Yes, that's subplot. No, there. Yes, I'm not going through all of the subplots in this so uh the i, I wanted to go into lady the white and the lady in white because it's in the title which really it's not what the movie's about at all but anyway uh, um so the lady in white is this urban legend of this woman who haunts the cliffs of i guess what used to be the makeout point for youngsters uh and that is also in the story right so i don't want to spoil anything yet but we'll get to it and and, well, and, I, and I guess you could say that a semi subplot too is the racial tensions. That's not a semi. That's well, that, that is a semi. That's a tractor trailer. Well, um, well, well, no meaning. Get into that. Me, meaning, there, well, meaning that it was a subplot connected to the idea of the killer. So I'm saying it's still yeah, it connected sort of was, to yeah. yeah, yeah, it sort of was. And then there's, it's just a, it's just a. It's just a fucked up town. Let's, let's just leave it at that. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. There, there, it, this town needs more than imagination. <laughs> it's there's it is screwed up. Uh, we'll just we'll get into all the reasons why. But um, so that the that's kind of the premise of it, and the story centers around uh, Frankie. Frankie Scarlatti is a little kid played by Lucas Haas, who you know him from. Uh, witness right off the top of my head, and I know he was also in uh, most recently that I can think of. He was in Inception. Yeah, but I mean, as a little kid, specifically Witness, and I know there's probably something else I should. Amazing Stories. He was in an episode of that Ghost Train. Yeah. I, I remember that. Uh, He's got the perfect, like, the perfect little kid face, and yes. I know that sounds weird, but he no, looks like. Uh, Elliot from ET. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like that. he's like he's he's like he has those big ears. He's kind of goofy looking, but in a real cute way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was in um, Inception. Was the most recent I remember as well. But there's a couple. Uh, was of he? I think he was in Mars Attacks. I'm pretty sure he was in. I mean, I'm oh yeah, that's right. That's I'm literally right. just pulling these ones out of my butt because I and I want to say he was in a movie where he plays like this young, like like hustler, pro, yeah, male prostitute type character. I'm just oh, what the hell was that called? Remember. Something yeah, I just remember him yeah. in, uh, in Inception and a couple of things. But anyway, so it, it centers around him. He's the one 
sees the ghost, uh, and then his family. So he's got his grandparents live in the house. Yep. His brother, older brother, lives with him, and his dad. And um, and we learn in the story at some point his mom has passed away, not too far in the past. But um, so anyway, that's the basic synopsis. But there's a whole lot to talk about here. Yes, there's a lot now. Did you know that the writer at the beginning was played by the writer and director of the movie? Yes, I did. Okay. That was there wasn't a lot of trivia on this one uh, that was pre-written. I mean, there's some stuff I knew, but um, yeah, I knew the director who was also the writer of this movie was he played the guy in the beginning, which you don't really see his face. I mean, you see his eyes. And from, yeah, 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 yeah. Which I thought was an interesting anybody, and and probably, and we'll get into this as well. I did find it a little odd that we didn't return to him at that age because oh, typically I in a got movie a couple things with that well yeah and typically in a movie not that we had to do it throughout the movie but he obviously narrates the entire movie as if he's telling the story no he doesn't no he doesn't he doesn't no there's it's weird and this this stood out to me um so one of the things about this it parallels a little bit uh stand by me which we covered uh, right before spooky flicks fest right mm-hmm. and the whole idea there rich Dreyfus is the grown-up character mm-hmm. of, of Will Wheaton, uh, and he's telling, retelling the story of his youth, right? This mm-hmm. this thing that's happened. Mm-hmm. That worked, and the way they set it up, there's certain points that, that there's narration and recall so that you can tell it's the adult thoughts of what's happening, and, and uh, you're kind of getting inside the kid's head without having to hear the kids say it out loud. Mm-hmm. There was really only odd points that the narrator popped in in here, and it was only like once or twice mm-hmm. it was only the whole setup at the beginning of the movie uh what i mean the, not the setup in the beginning the beginning is when the guy gets off the airplane but the whole the beginning of the kid part or mm-hmm. the flashback he didn't say anything until yeah. he gets all the way into the closet mm-hmm. and the bells start ringing and then he starts narrating and it was almost like whoa oh i forgot that guy was there you know yeah. <laughs> um but it wasn't it wasn't stable throughout and you're right at the end they didn't wrap it back up with the guy saying something like the the grown man saying something mm-hmm. or why he was in the town or it, i think it would have been a nice wrapped up package if they had done something around that they had the, even, it had the book in sort of feel to it yeah, yeah. even if i even thought because at one point uh, uh frankie you know he gets hurt at the end and his he actually pulls up his pants and shows uh, his leg is bleeding and gashed right mm-hmm. so it would i even thought well they could have even done something where you know, when he gets in the car, he reaches down, and, like rubs his leg, leg or something, you know, something just to a sense memory connection of what, what mm-hmm. really happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing. It kind of it ends once you go into the kid part the kid part stays throughout. and You don't ever go back to the grown guy again. So, yeah, um, I would have just edited that whole first part out. Well, I guess. Yeah, because you well, here's the question. Is it necessary? Right. And I have to yeah. fall on the side of. I'd have to really think about it because if there was a, obviously it seemed to me that they were trying to set up the idea that this guy's returning to his hometown. It's the whole hometown boy makes good. And he's got these memories of this small, this sort of idealized uh, small town, early sixties. And I don't know. I, I think if there had been more of a connection to the idea of him as an adult, a la stand by me learning yeah. from that, that story in the, from the, in the future, him having some connection to where he's learning, like, like maybe for instance, he had a situation happen in LA that dealt, maybe it was like, yes. I know this is before the LA riots happened, but something like that where something had happened yes. that would connect it back to that past. Then that yep. would have made a more sense because otherwise, like you said, you could have just started it with, 
opening point with the kid and his family. Yeah, because they didn't really give any strong motivators for the writer guy. I mean, uh, there were subtleties. I mean, he was dressed really nice, so clearly he made a lot of money. He went on to be a success, but uh, they didn't really give any motivators of why that was an important part of the story. I understand the connection of, oh, he's a horror writer, and the cabbie kind of asked him, oh, you don't believe that stuff you write. So he's showing the origins mm-hmm. of, I guess, the first thing he saw, and he wrote that and mm-hmm. and other stuff, but – uh, they made that part so short and it never revisits that it really didn't seem like a relevant part of yeah. the story. I mean, if you just clipped that out and, and the couple narration times that were there, you just kind of left that out. I don't think it would have hurt the movie is my point. I think it almost felt like an unnecessary piece mm-hmm. um, of the overall. But anyway, so that I noticed that part of it in the beginning. So, yeah, well, and, and I and I do agree with you because I think. Again, had he be coming to the town because he's getting maybe he's doing his book launch for his brand new book and it's based on what happened to him, but he's written it as if it was fiction. And mm-hmm. and that's why he's there is to do this book launch. They figured, oh, do it back to the town you grew up in since there's a there's a semi autobiographical connection. But obviously all the ghost yeah. and and violent part, that's all made up. But then, of course, we would know by the end of the movie that, oh, no, no, that was all true. You know, something, right. anything like that, I would have been like maybe the very end is him you know, sitting at his table signing books and somebody from the past, maybe like the bully who locked him in, yes. I don't know, something like that, yeah. you know, connects it to that past moment, but it yeah. did. It, 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 this is the first time I've ever really noticed that for some reason. And it's funny as a movie, I always forget every time I've watched, it's funny watching it this time. I, 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 when it started, I'm like, Oh, that's right. It starts with the whole hymn as a grown up, <laughs> but I always forgot. And then I remembered how I always forgot that every time I'd watch the movie, that's how, which yeah, is a pretty good indicator. It's about not necessary. How minor yeah. it is in the story. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it's, it's, now, the thing about this movie that I've always found that I have liked was the atmosphere and that there were it was there were just some creepy moments in it. And we'll get to it. But I mean, whoever knew that uh, Mona from Who's the Boss could actually be friggin' creepy other other than her sort of, you know, lascivious. Other than Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Le- le- lecherous uh, comings on to Tony Maselli. <laughs> but that being said, you know, I, I remember liking that aspect of it. I liked the, and we'll get into this in depth. I remember liking when I first saw it, cause obviously I didn't know the, who the killer was. And it was yeah. reminiscent in a way to me of say like the stepfather. Cause a, the giveaway of, of what, what gives his identity away to the main character is reminiscent of the stepfather. Yeah, because he does something similar as far as a tune that he has uses as sort of his late uh, his his I don't know what would you call it his uh, theme song, right? And <laughs> yes, and, his theme song. Well, and, and he comes across as sort of this nice, wholesome, just regular guy, and, you know, nothing there. And then when it is revealed what is going on, then you know it's pretty major. Now, I will say, regardless of how Jason or I come down on this movie in the end, if you haven't seen it when we spoil this one, this is like legitimately spoiled because I think if you know who it is going in, it's definitely going to have, I'm not going to say it's going to have no suspense, but it wouldn't be nearly as much. So if you know, going in, so if you haven't seen lady in white, it's on YouTube because apparently like on friggin' Amazon, the only thing I found was the director's cut DVD for 43 bucks. Okay. 
Uh, and uh, no, yeah, negative. So uh, it's at the moment. I'm, I, I don't even know if you. I don't know if Netflix had the DVD of it. To be honest with you, I didn't check because I don't have the DVD service. But but uh, YouTube does have it at the moment. So go watch it there. Yep. And we're back. <laughs> so I'll assume you've seen it, and now you know all the big twists and all that stuff. So speaking of, do you want to give the spoiler alert now? Um, I'm just gonna plug. I'm just gonna plug it in. I know I didn't pause long enough, but I'll I'll know where it's because it's after it's after right. the trailer play, so it's easy oh, to find. Okay, okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, but anyway, the um, I guess we'll pretty much just go back. We will we'll say we'll pretend the opening didn't happen because totally unnecessary. We both agree on that. Although, okay. did you also find it odd? Because again, I've seen it enough to have made the connection right from the get go. Whereas you wouldn't have, but I don't know if you noticed how much the taxi driver looked similar in my opinion to phil the family friend yeah a little bit yeah a he looked kind of like look. his dad too huh? yeah he looked kind of like his dad too yeah, I, yeah. I picture him kind of like you know typical italian uh whoa whoa stereotype typical. Yeah, you know, yeah, they have and by the way the new york accent and the grandparents totally not a stereotype not at all yeah no not at all <laughs> and alex, and actually alex rocco who played the father He's, yeah, he's a. If you look, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with him that much. I mean, he's got a very, a very distinctive voice, and he's been in a yeah, crap ton of stuff. Oh yeah, probably the biggest thing he was in at the, you know the outset was Godfather. That seems to be a thing that everybody would know him from. But he's yeah, he's got a hell of a career. He's a really good actor. I mean, if you really watch him in a lot of those scenes, he's a really good actor. And then speaking of actors, did you know? Did you recognize the older brother, Gino? Yes, he was. Uh... The kid, it, it didn't hit me till close to the end of it. He's from Explorers. Yep. Right. Yep. yep. That was probably the Jason biggest thing. Jason something or other. Yeah, Jason Presson, I think. And it's interesting because he's yeah. one of those guys that just completely disappeared. I just, yeah. You know, just decided he didn't want to be part of the biz and moved mm. on. More yeah, because he wasn't bad in this. I mean, oh, no, he's a good, he I think he's a good actor. Good actor, I, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think you can make the argument that other than River Phoenix and Explorers, he's, no offense, Mr. Hawk, because <laughs> I, I believe that was Ethan Hawke's debut film. Yeah, he was really uh, yeah. good in that too. So, um, yeah. but yeah, it, it uh, yeah, no, I, I thought the acting and the cast and everything for the most part across the board were good. Like, there wasn't anybody off the top of my head that I was like, eh, eh, eh. yeah, no acting came across as bad to me. Yes. None of the, none of the actual, um, uh, actors in it were bad. There's some big names you mentioned, uh, Catherine Hellman, who was amazing. She was, um, uh, uh, Mona. Mona. That's it. Mona. I want to call her Monica. For but but, some but the, oh, that's the only reason I can remember it is because I, when I say it in that yeah. voice, Mona, Jonathan, <laughs> Angela, <laughs> Samantha. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, it had some people in it that were uh, well known, or at least maybe not top tier, but no. they were well known older yeah. actors, you know, people who've been sure. in a lot of movies. And they're all very accomplished. So uh, that, I didn't feel that was uh, bad at all. Now, I am going to take. I am going to take a little bit of uh, a contrary stance to your comment about if you have, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, what we say is going to spoil the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, because I felt like so much of the movie was so telegraphed mm -hmm. that I could write the rest of the movie a third of the way in. Which is interesting because this is, a, this is an interesting phenomenon. Cause again, I seen this movie my in my entire life, probably at least five, maybe six times. And this when did the, you see it the first time? Came out eighty eight. I didn't see yeah. it at the theater. I would have right. seen it on HBO most likely. And I record. I remember for some reason I remember recording it, and I think I watched it several times after that. And so this would have been early nineties, 
Probably yeah, I was, I was gonna say, okay, so not long after it was out, mm-hmm. still, yeah, you know, within that zone. Yes. yes. All right. All right. And on All top, right. and on top of that, I, I haven't seen it. Like probably the last time I saw it, it's at least been ten years. I, I can't. I'd be shocked to find out it was less than ten years. But it was very. A lot of it was still very familiar to me. You know, watching it, I wasn't surprised by anything. Um, uh-huh. Other than again, apparently the beginning, which I always forget, is there. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that being said, it's interesting because I. It's hard to watch something that you're that familiar with and oh, yeah, yeah. and know. Okay, is it that obvious? Is it that obvious? Because to me, when I was a kid and saw it, it wasn't. And, and this is, you know, and there are a lot of movies that have a twist like this, that it has to come through the eyes of someone who's, who's going into it cold Yes. to see, okay, because, oh, you know, you know, everything that's going to happen. So going in, I was like the very beginning where, uh, the two little douchebags lock him in the closet. And, oh, speaking of which, did you reco- want to talk about, did you recognize one of them? Yes. And don't steal my thunder. Okay, I'm my not, I just, I'm actually just asking if you did. I did. Um, so the two little douchebags, but I want to talk about, about that in a minute as an element of the story. They lock him in the closet, right? In mm-hmm. his little elementary school, or it's 1962. He's in the closet. He's up at, at like on the top shelf of the closet because he was getting his hat up there and he's sure. sleeping. And he's trying to, you know, come to terms with the fact he's locked in there. It's midnight. No, it's 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock. And the little ghost of the girl comes in mm-hmm. and uh, she basically gets murdered and, it, and real quick i just want to interject this i don't know if it's just now watch because it's been so long probably I, last time i saw this before no, no. i had kids no no did you it's, find no, that no. disturbing it was extremely disturbing like, now like more so like i remembered it being okay well, I mean, obviously it's a little girl being murdered yes. even though it's her ghost but i'm like well i'm like you know what this is okay. like uncomfortably <laughs> disturbing okay so i'm gonna go ahead and get into this now i'm gonna i'm not gonna I'm, i'll get to the telegraphing part in a second i'm gonna get to this now this movie I don't know what to think of it because <laughs> that's kind of good. I actually like that. I swear to God, I don't know what to think of it because most of the movie reminds me of the feel of like Goonies because yeah, or, um, the light music and the yeah. What was the other one that with the uh, Wolfman and uh, oh, Monster uh, Squad? Monster Squad. Sure. Okay, it's got the. It, it has a lot of the same kind of light music. It's, it's a lot it's of more, the, it's like fun. There's a funness to it. Yes. Yeah, a lightness. And with that comes a feeling of safety, right? Uh huh. So you expect, especially with you know uh, this uh, Lucas Haas as a kid. You know mm-hmm. he, he looks cute, and and most of the story is very uh, sentimental, and you know mm-hmm. it, it comes across. And when I started watching, I thought, okay, okay, it's going to be this kind of kids movie. Wait, with, and it's, oh, and it's PG thirteen. Yes. Oh, well, I didn't even look at that going in. It's going to be this kind of kids movie with this underlying ghost story. of he's trying to help this little girl uh, who's been killed and he's going to help solve the mystery. Like it could have been a Scooby-Doo episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Or oh, you meddling, kid, or a, you meddling kids. I would have hit a good dozen yeah. child murders had you not interrupted what I was doing. Okay, so that's most of the movie feels like that. And then there are these moments yeah, that are really so are. dark and disturbing. Yes, they really are. That they don't fit. and. Okay, so number one, the Uh first part that is disturbing is when she's murdered because you would expect – okay, first of all, it's kind of this effect where it's almost um, her reflection so you can – is is standing there to give that feeling like she's a ghost. Yeah. Uh, in the closet because you got to see through her and you know it's – I don't know how they do it uh, in the film but – I mean when they film it but it's kind of like that – effect where it's all she's almost looks like her reflection. yeah yes um and it's showing her they're talking to somebody else that we can't see yeah 
And then when she gets murdered, I mean, the little girl puts into it. I mean, oh, man, she I mean, was she's awesome. Like, <laughs> I mean, oh, no, the worst, dude, the worst, because she's, like, hitting, because the person she's killing her obviously still alive because you can't see them, right? So right, yeah, and, they've actually, somehow they've cut the person out completely. Like, you can't even see a shadow of them, nothing. It's just her being killed. And, right? and just, but the worst part is when she starts hitting on, the, and she's screaming, mommy, mommy, like the top, oh, yes. my God, dude, it's horrible. But it's the way she does it. It's not just a... I mean, okay, so in film, there are lots of different ways that people die. You get all the way from these super safe, you know, they just kind of, uh, and it's, you know, all the way up to horror movies where they're gutted and, you know, splayed and all this stuff. This goes further to- down the road than it should have for this movie. Yeah, it was, it was emotionally disturbing. Yes, it wasn't yeah. gory. It was just her death was so violent. visceral. It was violent. Yes, yeah. yes. And it was like a real murder, and it didn't seem to fit with the movie. So um, that happens, and then it goes right kind of back to la 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 la. Well, well now, uh, now before in... now before you continue be down the la 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 path, <laughs> I do want to address that scene in general. Yeah, this is again first time watching a long time where I'm coming at it with maybe a different. Take, yes, but yeah, and and it's like what I'm about to say is going to sound a little contradictory because what I'm about to say is. I cannot remotely explain how this would even make any kind of logical sense that this happens, (laughs) but I liked it as an effect, which is the guy who kills her. Now, I could see her ghost if you're going down that path. If you accept the premise that a little girl ghost comes in there and reenacts her own murder, okay? Yes, because I get get that conceptual idea in storytelling that— Ghosts are kind of caught in this repetitive loop sure. if they've had some kind yes. of terrible uh, uh, event happen around their death. So she's kind of doomed to relive it, and that's just part of that. Yeah, so I up get to that. that point, it would all make perfect sense, right? Because you would see her reacting to the person. Now, she obviously yep. at one point comes over and sees Frankie hidden up in the corner and reacts Maybe. to him. Maybe. Yeah, sure. but, Maybe. What is, but here's what's weird. She looks up in that corner. But what is she reacting to then? Well, she looks up there. And I got to thinking, well, maybe it was not that she actually saw him, but she was looking at something up in that corner or like when she was alive and she's unaware of him. But maybe she did see him. I don't know. Or could it be that the killer was saying something to her that was wildly inappropriate and she was reacting to that? Maybe. Yeah, and then turns we, around. Because we can't hear. Now, now, of course, we don't hear him talk. Nope. You, no sounds. But, but we hear her responding to something he's saying. Right. Yep. She's talked to him because she says – um, she comes in singing. Did you ever see a dream walking? Right. Well, I... Does she come in singing that? Yeah, she's singing. Yeah, she. Oh, she goes. Um, she comes in saying says something about like, no, oh, you, no. you, you gave me the dress, or where's my present? Goes, something. Do you like my dress? And she says, I know you do because you gave it to me. Yeah, and then she starts singing and then it. She says, I know what your favorite song is. That's right. And she starts singing it, and then yeah. she says, Well, I know that because you always sing it. Yeah, but she's obviously right. responding to somebody. Yes. Who we don't it, hear. It's her side of the conversation. Now, after the horrific death scene, which is stra- strangulation. Right? Just obviously somebody grabbing her and strangling her. But the way they do it, it, you're right. It's not gory. It's not like it's not that kind of it's like emotionally violent. It's just it's disturbing to see. It, it's disturbing. And like it's you said, that little girl put it all, gave it all, gave it her all. I mean, it was pretty. Yes. So ultimately, <laughs> that happens. And when it happens, we hear via theoretically Frankie Lucas Haas character, this sound of something clicking across the floor and falling into the grate to imply that something fell off of either her or the killer in the melee 
that is now in that little grate that's at the floor of the clo- the coat closet, right? Yeah. And then after her body's on the ground, we hear these invisible footsteps. Now, again, if the killer's dead, that would make something in the realm of sense. But we didn't oh, hear yeah. him talk. <laughs> yeah. We never heard him anything prior to her dying. Now, maybe you can make the argument that her death somehow the for the loop to take i'm literally pulling this out of my ass uh, you know to, to make any kind of sense that it you know it for it to do then the we have to see that well of course what we had to do is we had to know it was there just because otherwise we wouldn't know that the this thing that's in the grape which will lead well, to the identity that, of the killer is there i get that okay i i get that when she was being strangled like in the violence is when that thing comes off sure. of her uh, and falls across the room and goes down in the, the furnace because she would have heard that as she was dying Yes, and I get that maybe somehow her ghost is trying to send messages of the elements of her death, like to help solve okay, it. Okay, right? and I, that's a better way of saying it. Yes. I even get that. But you're right. The footsteps of the bad guy. But based on what you just said, you could make that argument that if that's how she she's almost creating it. Potentially. Okay. So then uh, the footsteps walk back, pick her up, mm-hmm. and her ghostly dead body disappears out the door sure. like it's being carried. Yep. Uh, so then this is the part that confused the crap out of me. I didn't get what was going on. So that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Frankie's in the corner. His eyeballs are as big as golf balls trying to figure out what, the, what he just saw. Cause yep. the ghost just walked out and it's dark again. So I guess he's sitting there for some amount of time. And then after an amount of time, you heart, you hear the door rattle mm-hmm. like someone's trying it. Now at this point they had shown when he and the two other little douchebag boys come back into the school at, at, right before or at sundown. Um, they showed the janitor like polishing the floors and stuff. So I thought this was going to be one of those, haha, you thought it was a bad guy. It's just the janitor coming in and he kind of saves the kid and the kid gets out and that's all right. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought was going to happen. And then the door busts open and it's a, a shape of a man all dressed in black. You can't see his face. He's in the shadows, comes in and he starts trying to get at the grate. Mm-hmm. And then of course, at one point he, he uh, sees uh, Frankie up in the corner, but Frankie pulls his little Halloween mask down. So he doesn't see who it is. Uh, and the guy grabs him and starts to choke him to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, I got confused at that because I think that later I understood. Yes. That's the problem. I know where you're going with this and that's the way problem. later. Yeah. Way later. I understood that what happened was, that when they did this little foreshadowing in the school where mm-hmm. the teacher says, don't forget to bring your coats on Monday because they're replacing the furnace, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that it was the killer who had killed that girl 10 years ago coming back to try and find the stuff that he knew had fallen in that grate. Before they did that, thus potentially making it obvious that he – although Because they he, might he, find he, it. Although one would, argue, one, it. one would argue – could you could argue highly circumstantial of it. It's now, why was your ring in there? Well, I'm – best friends with this one kid dad and maybe i left my ring at could their house it. and he could have dropped it in there could have taken it and you, you never know, know. You, you, you know, how do you cut you yeah. other than that is so tenuous it wouldn't bring you you know yeah. I, but I get okay, a guy, if a guy who did all this horrible crap like he did I I, say, let know. me add to this he okay so we'll, we'll, t- we'll tell that part yes i i think it was a stretch to put him in there uh, in that closet at the same time as Frankie was. Of course, he wasn't expecting the kid to be there, and mm-hmm. he attacks the kid to kill him. Frankie has this near-death experience where he sees the ghost. She does not at any point ask to have him help find the killer. She says, help my mom. She's lost. 
You know what just I occurred to me? Mommy. Why would you pick Halloween night to sneak okay. off to do More this? More than that. Because everybody and their brother is going to be out trick-or-treating. Yes. Everybody's out at night. Uh, so they're going to see town. you go into the school. Somebody might see you. Maybe not in this town. It looked like they were all Catholic, and uh, they don't trick-or-treat. Well, well, they freaking have Frank... a big-ass Halloween party. Hell, nowadays you can't do that because it's not PC. So <laughs> they, don't have, they don't have Halloween parties hey. in school anymore. So obviously that Even was— worse, that girl's murder was 10 years ago. You don't think that having this kid who was your best friend's son that you could have picked up at school anytime, you don't think there was another time he could have snuck in any other time before the, oh, shit, they're going to replace the furnace. I've known that my ring is in that grate for 10 yeah, years. Yeah. I guess I might as well get around to taking yeah. it out. The, the problem, the real problem <laughs> is, is that the entire, essentially the entire reveal at the end is contingent on that thing happening. You know, whereas maybe I, I really don't know. I guess I can't. I'm trying to think of like something a better way to have done it. You well, can still if have he, had, if, maybe if he didn't know that the ring was down in that grate, and he he found out when at one point Frankie yes actually confides in the guy. Hey, I found a ring in that closet. Yes. Then you could have been like, what? You 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 found a what? Where, where is it? You know, uh -huh. and then he could have yeah. gone on from there. You know, yeah. Um, but anyway, it confused me because they put the spiritual recreation of the death too close to the guy actually coming in and getting it. Yeah. And I was like, wait, is that the ghost attacking him? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't understand that okay. was actually the person until later, but all right. So anyway, that's that part. So the next part that happens is, la, la, uh, la, 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 you got first he has his near death experience, right? Then he goes home and it's kind of leave it to Beaver again because the uh, you know Uncle Phil and Uncle Tony come in and they bring him a present. Oh, and, and, and Grandpa's and, always a smoking is a cigarette. <laughs> I swear to God, the grandparents I thought they were Russian at first. <laughs> <laughs> just the way I don't know why. I don't know either. They seem very they, yeah. Just, yeah. So <laughs> Grandma and Grandpa hate each other. No, uh, but they love each other. <laughs> I get. Yeah, no, they hate each other. Uh, it is, you know, a very stereotypical yelling at each other and everything. Um, and everybody's doting on little Frankie and, you know, this whole thing. that ha And then they kind of there's there's another one that happens in between here. But then they kind of let on that. Well, it wasn't just that little girl that was killed. Yeah. It turns out there have been 11 child murders. Yeah. In 10 years. And that uh, Frankie would have been the 12th. And that the little girl, Melissa, was the first. I didn't. I, I should have paid better attention to this. Prior to Frankie, were they all girls? Uh, a lot of them. They didn't name all of them. But they, they do show those pictures oh, in the paper. Weren't. And I'm trying to remember. No, they weren't. Okay. Because remember the mom of the, the other oh, kid that was right. killed? No, that's, that's right. Her, her son, Richie. That's right. No, you're right. That's right. Yep. But they did say. Now, this is another disturbing element. They did say they were all murdered and molested. And you know, here's the thing. And I know this. We I had this discussion with Mags recently uh -huh. because she did Nightmare on Elm Street. And she had never seen it before. In fact, I guess she had tried to, to watch it last year for the Spooky Flicks Fest and was going to write <laughs> something up and then chickened out eight minutes in. And and she actually had a really good, actually a very interesting explanation for why. And uh, uh, just so uh, we're all clear, I believe that was episode uh, uh, bonus episode 13 of the uh, <laughs> this year. And but she goes through this Seems whole thing. But one of the things we talked about was the fact that originally, I think it was in hers. It was either hers or Nathan's. I can't remember because he would talk because he did Hills Have Eyes. So we were talking about Craven. I think it was hers. But we talked about the fact that originally Kruger, Freddy Krueger, was written as not just a child killer, but a child molester. A child molester. Yeah. And and that ultimately in 84, 
they were like, eh. and so like as if just being a child killer is not bad enough, right? I mean, no, no, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but it's okay. But there is killer, something but... about the perception of when you add in that. Which, let's be honest, why would somebody be a serial killer of children unless there was some deviant sexual... I mean, there's something going on there beyond just, hey, this is an easy target. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I think there's sometimes there's deep psychological issues with their own childhood or Is there something you want to tell me, Jason? (laughs) I watch a lot of cop shows. Uh, Well, (laughs) and and I guess, but typically when you hear about it, it's because of the other elements. So you usually, it usually comes along with that. Yeah, you hear about it most often especially in movies it's so, a it's a connector but there's something about when you add in that explicitly you say yeah. it even it just it adds a level of creep factor beyond just oh that's horrible to oh god and even though freddy krueger was supposed to be evil and horrible and all this other stuff for some reason it's probably the reason why he was able to go on to be sort of this bizarro anti-hero where people had yes, they, they never went there they never, they went, never there. went there with yeah yeah even though you um, knew that, you knew that's ultimately what it was, but yet yes. They so didn't. in in this, when they said uh, molester, when they brought the newspaper yeah. in, yeah, it, it did take it to a whole different level. Mm-hmm. It, it just felt different. It wasn't just like the kid, maybe because up to this point, I thought, well, maybe the little girl saw him steal something mm-hmm. or uh, something else, but. You know, she did say he bought her that dress, so it, it did add a level of creep. Well, now to let, me, it. let me ask you this question then, because again, coming at it from your perspective, mm-hmm. would it have been harder to figure out and more um, would have had more resonance for you had they not gone there? Like, had they mentioned her? No, that they mentioned no, her, no. but did do they need to have you know ten bodies in between her and Frankie? No. No, because, well, I don't have, like I said, there was just so much other stuff. That wasn't what, that didn't throw me off that much. It definitely added a creep factor. But there were so many other things like that that were like out of character for the film's tone Mm -hmm. that it just threw me out. So here's a couple. Um, One, you have the typical, uh, the kid was almost killed. The police end up showing up after the killer's long gone, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, dad comes in and they resuscitate Frankie and he comes back to life, right? And uh, uh, snaps out of his near-death experience. Way, we'll have to get into the fact of what a, what a horrible string uh, strangler uh, this killer is because seriously, uh, yes. we have yeah, two situations. We'll get into that. Yeah. We'll get into that. So uh, they, the kid, they, they say the kid, cops are everywhere now because uh, dad's been looking for him. They find him, he's half dead, you know, and they bring him back to life. And of course, the poor, lowly uh, African-American janitor is down in the basement, like falling asleep to TV. He'd been drinking and mm-hmm. watching TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pick him up and like, oh, here's the killer, a black yeah. guy. And, yeah. well, and, they, and they actually at one point say that. Yes. Yeah. So that leads down that subplot you mentioned of the kind of the, the race element subplot of this movie, which felt really weird. Mm-hmm. Again, out of character for the movie, because <laughs> I'll get into that part. But um so they pick him up. He's obviously the killer. He's been a janitor at this school for so many years. He can't account for where he was that night. He said he was drinking and blacked out. And the sheriff goes down, like you said, basically says, look, this case has been making a monkey out of all of us. And you, and you hear it in the trailer. Um, but what you don't hear is what he says after is he's the perfect scapegoat. He's black. Which, I, going wrong, it's an absolutely horrible, awful thing to say. I, but I will add the caveat. At least the guy is honest. 
Like you have to time. <laughs> like, well, like how many people would have been? Yeah. Oh no, no, we believe it's him. And they would have played all this yeah, right. BS. It's like these guys are no, yeah, we're protect we're, themselves. Yeah, we're racist dicks. And we're just gonna say it's 1962. We could totally get away with this. So yeah. we're just gonna throw it out there. Because you even have the part. I mean, they throw in more of that. Uh, more elements in the film to show that there's racial undertones going on because at one point, uh, uh, Frankie's dad, um, who's a good guy throughout, he's um, Angelo, is that his name? A- Angelo is in, yes, in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Frankie's dad, he falls asleep watching TV one night and the news is on and it's uh, uh, it shows a clip from the University of Mississippi and the first black student to go mm-hmm. there and the riots and all the stuff that happened. So they're, they're setting the tone that this is going on right sure. now. Um, but see, in 1962, then, though, it had the civil rights movement was at its peak. Well, it, well, I guess you can make the argument because um, when did uh, Martin Luther King do his I had a dream? She was in 62 or was it 64? It was in that time period. But I mean, to me, the it sort of really peaks mid to late 60s. And then once, you know, King's assassination. So I guess what I'm saying, the violence and it was starting to where you had in that early, early to mid 60s window was when you had like, you know, kids being allowed to go to like, you know, uh, an integrated college experience and some of the other things that they were trying to do. But I think of 62 still being relatively at the beginning of that becoming a national Thing. No, because because the whole okay, well, it was really like a ten or fifteen year period mm-hmm. because you have Brown versus the Board of Education happened in the mid fifties, right? Mm-hmm. So that's fifty four, I think, uh, fifty five. I remember my dad talking about. It. So um, I, I mid fifties. So it goes on and flares up in the South for many years before uh, stuff starts to really come to a head when you've got protests and and uh, uh, violence and you got the the riots and things happening. Um, and there's, uh, all of the big news stuff, but it, this is right in the middle of it. So mm-hmm. it makes sense depending on where they are. Cause they never really t- say where they are. Uh, no, they, if- I think they, they, they imply it and, uh, upstate New York is where it's supposed to be taking place. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you've, I, I think it's, it's peak of that type of stuff would be on the news. Um, and I think that sentiment would be peak where, you know, in that kind of a town. Oh, no, a no, no, town. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. No doubt that that sentiment would have been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is yeah. a, you even in the you know you've got the so anyway janitor gets arrested because I want to get through this part because this part probably disturbed me more than but, by the way the good movie. good on you good on you 1954 yeah. on Brown versus Board of Education rock on I I I, I stayed awake during that no <laughs> during that part of my history class yes no I do I have a minor in education although not contemporary history but anyway um so they they arrest him. Uh, I don't remember the, the jan- they arrest the janitor. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes in and then the sheriff makes that comment and they're, they're clearly railroading him because he has no alibi and the town really kind of condemns him. Even the part where dad is on the porch with his two buddies and the two buddies make the comment. And, and this is, you know, this is typical as happens with a lot of stuff. Even today, someone gets arrested. Everyone makes a judgment. Damn, I never would have suspected him. Wow, yeah. I guess he must have done it. That's you sick know. SOB. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they went right into it like it was done. He's he's done it. Well, I and, get and, why one of them did. <laughs> well, yes, uh, but at, I give I give him credit that throughout this, they made the dad be a stand-up guy without making him be have to be like this civil rights champion, like smacking it in the face. Yes, kind of, I mean, yeah. it was subtle enough that it seemed real. Yes. Like he was, he knew the janitor's wife, yeah. um, Mary, I think was her name or Maggie. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point 
the janitor's I don't know janitor. I don't even remember his name. They don't really reference. Him. I think it's, is it Williams? I think they I think they call him Williams. I thought Williams they did. something. Yeah. So, um, uh, he and they're going through the whole proceeding of whether they're charging him and everything, and they're in church, and the the priest is up there giving his sermon and he's talking about it, and the mom of one of the eleven kids that was killed, one of the other boys, the one that Frankie's older brother other said he was in sixth grade with remember mm-hmm. that he was a smart kid straight a student that kind of thing got mm-hmm. his got a's with his eyes closed and he remembered him um and uh the mom stands up in church because the pastor i mean the priest was talking about how they're all in a better place they're one with god now and she was just like you know no i don't believe that and then she turns around mm-hmm. to the wife of the guy that was arrested harold williams by the way was the name harold okay uh, and you know, she basically says, I spit on you and I, you're, I can't, your husband's evil. And I mean, hating the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mom gets up with the kids and, and leaves the church. Well, as she's starting to walk out of the church, the woman just keeps going and the, the wife passes out in the mm-hmm. aisle. Mm-hmm. Well, the only person that gets up yeah. is Frankie's dad yep. and he gets up and runs out, out there to help her and helps her out in the car, drives her home. And he said, I apologize for that scene back there. I mean, all through, he he just kind of acts like she was his friend all along mm-hmm. and that he's above all this. And it was, but it wasn't, you know, because we've talked about how movies can get so sanctimonious and make it so, you know, smack you in the face with the message they're trying to send. Which is interesting you say that because apparently mm-hmm. I, one of the reviews I read about it from Vincent Canby, he had pointed out that it wasn't a bad movie in his opinion, but but he felt that the how did he put it? Something defective. The social subplot to it was the socially conscious subplot to it was heavy handed and the movie couldn't stand up under the weight of it. And I was like, really? Cause I actually thought that was one of the stronger points of the movie that it could so many ghost okay. story type movies wouldn't even go there. And it so, did. Let me clarify my position. I thought they did a great job with Angelo with the dad mm-hmm. and his response to it. Mm-hmm. I thought that whole subplot was completely unnecessary. I think it didn't fit with the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like it was the resolution of it, which we'll get into in a second, was disturbing. That, that actually, to me, is the most one of the most horrifying scenes in the movie. There's two two movies, two scenes in the movie that are the most disturbing to me. So, so uh, I don't think it was necessary. I think you play off that, that you know they may have picked the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a racial thing. They picked the wrong guy. That lets off the tension that the real killer is getting away with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've got those elements, but throwing in the whole piece that there's this racial, it was too intellectual for the movie. Cause like I said, the movie felt like a freaking Goonies. It didn't need to be that heady. Mm-hmm. And they threw in that piece. It just like, uh, this didn't seem like a fit. Mm-hmm. So the resolution of that, to, if, for those of you who haven't seen it is uh, at one point, justice prevails. The grand jury refused to indict him and they release him. And that whole scene, I saw it coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like a lot of things in the movie. I saw it coming. He comes out. They, his wife is there. The press are asking him, how does he feel? He says, great. I can't wait. I just want to go home with my family. He gets to the car. They even stretch out the moment at the car where she's like, I love you. I'll see you back at the house. And it's this beaming smile and he kisses her and all this. And then the same mom that ripped, uh, uh stood up in church and then ripped, mm-hmm. uh, the, um, family she says to her husband, I'm going to go over and apologize, or I'm going to go talk to him. And he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm going to apologize. So she, I'm like, no, she's not. No, she's not. <laughs> she goes around to the other side of the car. There's crowds of people around, photographers. She taps on the window. He rolls down the window, and she says, 
I just want to apologize for all that you've been through. And he's like, and it's just, just this emotional moment. He says, that means a lot coming from you. Thank you. And this is for Ryan. Bam! Shoots him in the head, brain spatter on the window, bullet goes through the window and into his wife on the other side of the car, standing outside yeah. the car. Yeah. She staggers away. And at first you just think she's in shock because her husband was just murdered right in front of her. And she just kind of staggers away like she's in shock. And then Angela comes up and grabs her. Are you okay? And realizes she's been shot too in the chest and that the bullet went through him and in her, like, like her, like her shoulder. I think it went through her shoulder. Yeah. yeah it was right. Like in her shoulder. Right. Uh, but I was like, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the movie, the whole thing, again, it had kind of that leave it to beaver solving a, a, a ghost story mm -hmm. and then whack right See, up the side of the head. And, and I think that it depends on where it probably a lot to the mood you're in when you see it, because I think that to some degree that's intentional. Yeah, I can see that. Because I think that that's exactly the point, that if they had gone the sort of leave it to beaver light through the whole thing, it would have just felt like this empty little ghost story. Whereas, obviously, been, yeah. the director was intending for there to be these moments of just, I mean, he wanted it to be a horror movie, right? I don't think yeah. this is not meant to be some light little thriller. But to your point, the way it starts off and the tone of it, although even early on, and I don't want to completely go back there, but when the two bullies, before they lock Frankie into the closet... Yeah, And they mentioned the janitor. They're trying to get him to go back there because they had hit his hat. And they said, oh, the janitor will find it and give him to one of those mm, kids. And, oh, yeah. And yeah, drops the N-bomb. I'm like, yeah. and, and I'd forgotten about that. And I was like, ooh, gee, yeah. And that was jar. Yeah, wait, yeah wait, but that, because I think if it had been light, it, it wouldn't have gone there. You know what I mean? They might say, well, what, you know, with the black kids or, yeah. you, you know, some little racist thing, but not that. And it was just, it was so hateful the way he said it even that it, it was one of those almost like semi foreshadowing moments yeah. that, true. you know, that, that it's like in the midst of all this. And I think to some degree, that's probably whether you can get into the whole subjective argument, whether it was successful or not. But I think that that ultimately was the point to the movie overall. And hence why there was that opening where the guy returns home that, this is this beautiful yes. idyllic world yeah. in reality was punctuated by this really ugly underbelly. When it wasn't just that, I mean, that was, it wasn't just that there was this, you know, this uh, racial tone going on there. It was also that there was this serial killer, which <laughs> again, it could have been just <sighs> all murders, terrible, all murders, terrible, all murders, terrible. But in the context of the story, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if she had just seen something he had done wrong and mm -hmm. he snapped and killed her, yeah, that would have been a little different. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think you could even go so far as to say that he maybe had something for her or with her or maybe he went too far. Something happened in that moment, yes. regardless of what the reason was. And he did kill her, like you said, like either she saw something or he was you know, planning on something really yep. inappropriate and he had never gone there before. I think the more I've thought about it, because I, again, I had forgotten about the whole, that there was multiple kids. Now I realized you needed to have more than one in order for that horrible scene with the, the guy coming out of the jail. You know, the, uh, why am I referring to his name now? Williams. Williams. Yeah. Because that makes him much more of a monster, but, but, I, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is I think the movie would have been a little, maybe even tighter and, and more of an interesting character study that way had it just been one of those things that i mean horrible awful that happened and that that frankie saw it and that leads him down this path to reveal something that maybe he uh, you know th that causes but, him to grow up early or whatever but at the same time i don't think that the whole serial thing jolted me it, 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 i think it fit 
And here's why. Because I, I agree with you on I think it was intentional that there were these moments that smack you in the face to contrast the kind of light piano music that mm-hmm. plays in between when they're riding their bikes down the neighborhood. And the the part when Williams gets shot, that's one. Um, but the other part that was the most horrific for me was uh, as horrific as when he got murdered was when his brother kind of gets pulled into it. Mm-hmm. So Frankie's in his room and his brother goes to do something. And, oh, he's kind of figuring out who the murderer was by – uh, his brother found the ring, which turns out it was a class ring that fell down into the uh, mm-hmm. vent, uh, and he's figuring out who it was. Um, and when he comes back in the room, the little girl's ghost is in Frankie's bedroom. And so his brother gets involved, and then the little girl starts walking away when uh, the clock strikes 10. Mm-hmm. And that's when Frankie says, hey, she's about to be murdered. This is the time she was killed. We have to follow her and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they throw their shoes on and they go following after her and they get to the school just in time to see the body being carried out. And mm-hmm. that picks up exactly where Frankie sort of left it off when he was locked in the closet. Mm-hmm. Cause all he saw was the murder itself. And then the killer walking out with the body. Yeah. Well, they're picking it up now from the killer coming out. And I expected he was going to put the body like in a trunk so you're seeing the ghost. Maybe the ghost is going to be put in a car and he drives away and they kind of leave it. But the, the, you see the ghost body, the girl being floated out through the graveyard. And that's when Frankie says he's taking her to the cliffs because in the news they alluded to that she was murdered and then dumped off of these gigantic cliffs, which mm-hmm. is where the, uh, the teens hung out, you know, make out point, whatever. Um, and so Frankie goes running off to follow what's happening his brother gets, you know, steps on a nail or something and he's got it. He can't follow. Then the ghost basically, or the killer, again, you don't see an outline or anything. You just see the body. And I think that was a cool effect because mm-hmm. I like it better than if they had showed a black figure. Mm-hmm. I like that it was invisible. Like it was just her mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. You see him walk Which with then the again, body. It brings us back to then why do we ever hear his footsteps, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. continue. I, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, see the body going up to these cliffs, these massive, massive cliffs. And down at the bottom is the ocean and these rocks. It's, you know, it's this typical horror scene. And she wakes up. She's still alive and starts screaming the same blood curdling, the same uh, heart rending mommy. I want my mommy. Help me, help me. And he lifts her up and throws her alive yes. down onto the rocks. <laughs> And, okay, so if this was just one of those she saw something and he couldn't let her, you know, get away, or um, maybe he, you know, uh, he was drunk and something was happening, or like you said, he got carried away and it was an accidental death, but it still happened. This clearly painted him out to be this depraved, evil monster Mm -hmm. who had no thought for human life. I mean, he just throws her on and murders her outright. Mm-hmm. A little girl, like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Compl- and it, it was, it was awful. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. It was pretty awful. And of course they do that because her screaming on the cliff's edge was what brought her mother out, which a uh, quick side note, if this is make out point, it's, it's maybe a hundred feet from a house. <laughs> which is my point of why would you build a house a hundred feet from a cliff Yeah, and have a little kid? kid I'm, yeah exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking you're kind of asking for your kid to fall off that cliff yeah. you build your house 
I mean, it was right up against the cliff. Yeah, it was, it wasn't, it was, if you've ever seen the uninvited with Ray Milland and, and it's in the house there is very close to these, these bluffs or whatever. And the, yeah, the cliff. Yeah. It was like that. It was just, it was yeah. really, really, and there was no fence. I mean, there was around the yard of the house, but this kid's like yeah, what, a little picket fence, right? 11, up to the 12 years old. She can easily get over yeah. the little picket fence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it was disturbingly close, but yeah, her screams alerted her mother uh, who came out uh, looking for her and her mom finds the body or sees her body at the bottom of the cliff. And then she jumps out mm-hmm. of uh, uh, overwhelmed with grief. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she is the lady in white. She's the ghost that haunts those cliffs. But here's the problem I have with that. Number one, it seems kind of weird secondary to the story. Um, and two, it didn't seem like a good urban legend because it only happened 10 years ago. Yeah. So it, it should have been older than that. Yeah. But then yes. of course the next screws up the whole timeline with this. Yeah. So I don't know how you would have made that work, but it felt odd that, um, this, I mean, I, I get the ghost of the mom being so distraught would have caused an issue, but almost that kind of a story, especially since this is supposed to be, you know, based on a real urban legend of the lady in white, uh, you know, real ghost story that's old. And that kind of stuff is supposed to be, yeah. have that feel of being a hundred years ago. I, I think, happened. I think like he, the fog, how would the fog have worked yeah, was, if they said 10 years ago yeah, today, in 1964, there was a, a right. yacht that cried. Wow. That's terrifying. Well, and, and I will say what I will say this had, and again, Monday morning quarterback, but if, yeah, if, yeah, right. if say that who the killer turns out to be, what if it had been maybe 25 or 30 years earlier when he was a young, young, like maybe a teenager. Yeah, that would have worked. And then, and so again, that would have made a little bit more sense. Like maybe he was 15 or 16 years old, was messing with this little girl, you know, something really inappropriate and disturbing. It led to something too far. He killed her. He had, and so for you now, granted, again, I go back to you have to eliminate the whole serial killer stuff, but then it wouldn't be necessary. Thus eliminating the whole racial thing, like you said, which wouldn't have been necessary. And it would have been about he had this thing that was from his deep, dark past when he was a kid and he's had had it covered up ever since. Yeah, it's almost as if the ghost part of this. It, it, that wasn't what the story was about. The story was really about. The grandma who turns out that's Mona, right? Oh, by the way, I totally thought I, I, I do not blame you for this. I thought she was the grandmother, too. She's not. No, she's the aunt. What? If you pay very close attention, that scene I played in the intro, which, by the way, I had to cut considerably because there's these long gaps where she just sort of stands there and walks around. It's like, well, okay, that doesn't yeah. make good radio. Okay, so, but in that <laughs> moment, she says uh, her daughter and my sister. She's oh. the freaking aunt. I totally thought it was the oh. grandmother, too. Yeah, I thought it was her mom. Yeah, I that, thought made more, that, that, would, mom. that would have been a little bit more, I don't know, for some reason, as soon as I heard her say, I was like, really? I mean, don't get me wrong, it would suck and you'd be really depressed, but... Because I was thinking, you know, because she's, the, there's another subplot that there's apparently some crazy lady that lives in a house who tried to burn her house down with her in it, and she was laughing as it was happening, uh, and she was a piano teacher, and they kind of throw that out there and then never really come back to it, and then at the end it's like, oh, she's related to the death of the lady in white. See, I oh, almost okay. took it as the lady in white that people were seeing was Catherine Hellman's character that yes, she was going yes. around the cliffs because of trying to make, you know, make it to win Melissa. Re- I don't know what the hell she was thinking, but yeah, she was crazy. I, yeah. I, I thought that maybe that that was where they're going. Like she was really a live person. Yes. 
and she was there because her daughter and granddaughter had died. Mm -hmm. As she's weeping, kissing the pictures, I was thinking, yeah, that emotional thing runs all through the family. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't get wrong. I mean, I, I get, I, I guess what it is. As soon as for some weird reason, and I don't know why, but when she said my sister, I was like, really? I, and, and I understand that seems. I mean, so your sister and you care about. Okay, I get that. Yeah, but, but I thought the motivator that kind was of her emotional response. Own daughter and her own grand. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was her own daughter and her own granddaughter because that would have just kind of multiplied the grief. Yeah, I guess not only for the lost... level of. De- and by the way, yeah. I, I, and yeah. I will say this: I will say this, regardless of where you come down this movie, you gotta concede when the kids go in the friggin' house and her ass is flo- looks like she's floating down the stairs toward them. And that one moment <laughs> when she turns around, and I can't remember exactly what it was called, but uh, Jason Piles did something about Pet Cemetery because to him Zelda. And that is the scariest freaking thing ever. And oh. anybody points out that that whole thing where in, in Pet Cemetery Zelda creeps towards you like you're the POV of the camera. There is yeah. a psychological principle about things invading our space and coming at us like that. That we have an, it's like an aversion, yeah, re, re, yeah. a reflex. And there's that <laughs> moment when she's floating at him and the camera's like they used this lens almost like a telephoto lens is almost like a fish eye and she's coming at the camera and i seem to remember the promo for this on hbo featured that of her coming at the camera like that <laughs> and uh, it just it's creepy it's freaking creepy and then when the kid wakes up in the bed after she saved him from the killer you think and that it's a part of the intro he's laying in this bed and there's just hundreds of friggin' candles okay. everywhere uh, you you saw this one as a kid Yes. And then you just recently rewatched it yes. for the, the yes. podcast. Yes. When they show the first shot of the room, he's laying in this big, big Victorian bed, you know, bed sheet, uh, big comforter, everything. Mm-hmm. And there are 150 tall candles everywhere yeah. in the room, in the bedroom. What's the first thing you thought? See, this would have been such the perfect opportunity. I almost downloaded Midnight Oil. Uh, bed, you know, the, the, the beds are burning, you <laughs> beds know, are burning. Yeah. What do you do where the world keeps turning. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, it's going to be an inferno. First thing I thought of was see, as like a kid, as a kid, I don't think I thought that through like, no, the, but I mean, as a parent, you're thinking, Oh yeah. What God. the hell? Oh, oh yeah. Who lit that many candles in the bedroom? If that kid farts, <laughs> if that kid farts, they're dead. They're dead. Yes. It's, it is an excessive amount. And then I'm thinking as the lady walks in, cause, uh, uh, um, Mona, when she walks Mona. in, <laughs> when she walks in, she's got her clothes are meant to look like ghostly clothes. They're wispy, yes, uh, kind of highly flammable layers. And that's what I'm thinking. And also, she has hair that's super long and unkempt. I'm thinking she is going to catch on fire <laughs> just walking into that room. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's what I thought too. Yeah, and then that brings us to disturbing moment number three in this movie. <laughs> I'm her, sorry, number four. Her, her death. Uh, yes. So, spoiler alert, kiddos. Turns out that the real serial killer was dad's best friend, who we learn his parents died when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, Frankie's dad, Angelo, Angelo's parents, we presume, are the fighting, bickering yeah. uh, couple that hates each other, took him in as their own and raised him. Because you think it was all that, that verbal domestic violence that caused him to be a killer? <laughs> I, I wanted to kind of blame the parents there. <laughs> the, the, the foster parents. So uh, it turns out that it was him all along. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he kind of tries to tell Frankie that he's sorry. Uh, he didn't know it was him in the closet because Frankie had his Halloween mask on. Mm-hmm. But he's still going to kill him if he doesn't give him the ring, you know, and mm-hmm. that whole thing. So he snaps. And as he's attacking Frankie by the cliff, 
that's when Mona busts him over the head with a rock and you think she stopped him because when real she's... quick, real quick, I, I just, I'm only stopping here because I know where you're going with your next disturbing moment, but I can't yeah. believe you let out one of the other, what I felt <laughs> was awkwardly disturbing pri- right prior to that. Cause Phil has taken Oh, Frank, oh, oh, yes. You know where yes, I'm going. Frankie yes, bow no, hunting, or I mean, a bow, shooting targets with arrow, bow and arrows, right? Because he calls them broken arrows. This whole backstory, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, he bought him a new bow and By they're the going way, out shooting targets. Admit, though, that that scene in the car, I, th- I still thought that scene was pretty, was pretty good in the car with the whole locking of the doors, which very much Scream, you could say, paid homage to slash ripped off uh, because in Scream, like almost the exact thing that, where he he ducks down the way he does. That was creepy. Yeah, I that still was thought, creepy. And, 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 and I'll give the actor. And when he loses his temper. He was good, man. Yeah. That, when he was so calm, yeah. you know, he reminded me of a little like a Mr. Rogers, Captain Kangaroo kind of guy. And yeah. then when he loses, that's why I said it reminded me of Stepfather. When he loses it, you're like, oh. Yeah, you see the, I mean, it, he clearly brought out a dark side. That oh, shows yeah, man. Violent evil, right. But yeah, so <laughs> so he's, but when he's helping, when he's helping Frankie, you go ahead and finish it, but he's helping Frankie perfect his target practice. Yes, because the whole thing is Frankie, it's his, it's his uncle. He grew up with this guy, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. And he bought him a new bow and, he, they even have this kind of interplay where he says, I'm never going to be as good as you. And he says, that's not true. It's just practice. Mm-hmm. He goes, let me show you. And they do this whole shot where the camera is very close to the two of them. And Frank and uh, uh, what's his name? Phil, Phil, yeah. right? Comes up behind him. And he, he, uh, the whole time, you know, Phil's the killer at this point. And, and he, and you know, Phil knows, the POV. and you know, Phil knows that Frankie was there. Like he knows he's the kid that he choked out. Yes, because, Yep, because uh, Frank even comes to him at one point thinking he's just his uncle or his friend and saying, I found a ring that would that belong to the killer. You know, so, yeah, you know that Phil knows all in this. Right. Mm-hmm. So he comes up behind him. He grabs the arrow and he starts talking to him. And he's like, now grab the arrow, draw it back. And he's talking through the steps and he's like. And he's like got his cheek back. kind of pressed up near. And, and, the, and he's ear. zoomed in. You just see Frankie's uh, right eye. His cheek and the side of his head and you see phil's face right up against his and he's turning in i swear to god i thought he was gonna kiss him at one point he does because he kind of takes this longing look at him and then and I, yeah and that's where the whole where they talked about the kids were molested yes exactly and then they launch the arrow and the arrow goes in hits the bullseye and and he Phil kind of jumps up like he's like he was in a trance kind of backs away, and, and he's, he's almost of, like and he kind of like collapses he's like, got yeah. he's like looking around saying yeah. Huh, yeah good job yeah good job like he just oh, had let's, a let's moment let's just say yes. dude it was that was creepy <laughs> remember robin hood prince of thieves one of your favorite movies of all time there's a moment <laughs> when robin hood aka kevin Costner, with the greatest english accent ever is tr- <laughs> uh, teaching maid marion to shoot an arrow and there's a very similar moment where he's right up against her very intimate yeah minus the if they played the brian adams song still wouldn't have made it better i'm just gonna throw it out there it was and so that was that was was creepy dude that that really freaked me out yeah i thought that's where they're gonna kill him and obviously that's what they're trying to do is build it up to there's this moment where he knows so that was disturbing moment part four (laughs) that was okay sorry i forgot that one yeah so now part five and disturbing moment part five is where um, Mona is in her bedroom and she's doing that, that audio you played where she's talking yes. about her sister, which I thought it was her. Daughter, I thought it I up until sister. that moment. I thought that and, for uh, years. So uh, she's talking about this loss and how it drove her insane. She doesn't want to live anymore. She said, but I killed him. I killed him for you or I killed him. Something like and that. And holds her bloody hands. And she goes, see, and she holds her hands out. And the kid's in bed just sitting there weeping, right? Yeah. 
And she, then she like puts her hands on, on his cheeks and pulls herself closer and kisses his forehead. And then that's when the killer comes up behind her. It's Phil. He like puts a string around her neck, starts strangling her. Yeah, but uh, she's she from back. the kid's face, mind you. She's like hovering over the kid's face. We see his point yes. of view and she's like uh, like three inches above the camera being choked out. Yes, on top of him, yes. you know. And then she's fighting back. He pulls her to the ground and then with his bare fist bludgeons her to death. You don't see him hitting her. You see the point of view from the bed. You see his hand coming yes. up and down and the sound. Yeah. It's, he's beating her to death. And, and then and, in the meantime, and, and he's knocked over some candles. So the fire's cranking up. Right. So the whole house is on fire now. You know what that uh, reminded and, me of the, the beating. Did you ever see Oliver twist the, the musical from the sixties? Oh, it's been a long time, okay. but yeah. I remember as a kid seeing it, dude, and it always disturbed me. <sighs> Why am I brain farting on his name? The guy with the mutton chop. What's that? No, the mutton chop guy. And I'm the actor. I'm even brain. F- oh, this is going to drive me up the freaking wall. Hold on. Damn it. No, no, no. He's the guy that played the head thief, right? No, uh, yeah, the, uh... yeah, not, not, uh, yeah, obviously not one of the kids. He was the adult. He was, um, yeah, yeah. He was the leader of the group. Yeah. Um, He's a famous actor. Was it uh, not? Uh, um, uh, Herbert Lom is the name that's popping in my head, but I know that's totally not right because it's a totally different actor. No, he's a famous British actor. And yes, he I is. And it's, he even was in a werewolf movie. I can tell you that. He was, oh my, Oliver Reed. There it is. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Which you think, considering the movie is called Oliver. Anyway, <clears throat> but in Oliver, <laughs> the char- his character, there's a moment, and I want to give anything away just in case. This is a really good movie. Where he has this metal or walking stick or something, and he yeah, beats yeah. another character to death. And it's very similar. Like you see it from the point of view of a kid on the other you side. See the raising up. Yes, and it's slam, and you hear, and you kind of hear the car- other character go like, ah, ah, yeah. as he's beating them to death. And I remember as a yeah. kid, and that movie's G, <laughs> and that scared the crap out of me. And this reminded me of that big time. Wow, yeah, it was it was a very a uh, vile death, but it fit at that point with the other deaths that had happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, at that point, you're like, yeah, that. whatever. This yeah, is part of the course. This. But it was just like, damn. And she's cl- she's clutching at him to, for her life, and yeah. he beats her to death, of course. And then, uh, but the, okay, so that brings us to the end where then um, Frankie's escaping the burning house, and the killer comes out after him, and they kind of fight at the cliff. There's a really long scene where he's trying to throw him off the cliff but the kid keeps wrapping his legs around him and then he does it like three or four more times. I'm like, I get it. Oh, and then by the way, really creepy. They played that music from ghost <laughs> when they're doing the clay scene. Cause the whole leg wrapping thing, I'm just going to throw it out there. It kind of freaked me out. <laughs> it was, so he tries. And then of course, you know, it's going to happen is that at this point, the killer's going to go off the cliff. Cause it's again, so much of it felt like I, I knew it was Phil way early in the movie. But do you think it's because of the movie or because you have seen so many movies like this? Well, it, I, it would have been different if I had seen it as a kid because I haven't seen that many movies. Yes. But it seemed like they didn't – so much of it was so obvious in the way it was written to me mm-hmm. that it just – there was no good mystery in it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the only mystery that really caught me off guard was the sister because they kind of threw that one. There was a crazy lady that was the piano teacher, and I'm like, oh, okay, I see. That was a kind of a connection in there. But everything else, it, it just like, okay, here's what's going to happen. The, uh, the bad guy is going to have a scene at the end where he falls off the cliff and that's the resolution. I was hoping they wouldn't go there. I honestly was hoping that they really pull him up and he goes to jail and mm-hmm. they, 
kind of play some scene where yeah, he's. I'll be honest with you, it's interesting with the dad, though, right? Because you, they could have done the whole thing where he took, pretended to take his hand and then let him go. Ha ha, sucker. But they didn't. Yeah, he, I, he, so I think cliche. he was trying to help him. Yes. Uh, that's what I didn't want. And even that, where, because, you know, I knew the, the killer wasn't going to to come up you know because he had alluded to it several times before and i could never face your dad if he mm-hmm. knew what i did that yeah. kind of thing so i'm like oh, yeah, i know he's gonna die um and except for the one point where the really cheesy ghost effect comes down and kind of scares him off the cliff and <laughs> you know, yeah, so, yeah i know um so i mean it, it wasn't again i didn't dislike the movie you just you don't know what to think yeah there okay. were parts of it that were kind of cool i'm giving you an like- out i'm giving you an out here you get two ratings seriously you get the you get the as a kid rating no 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 because you obviously it's very hard to, to transport yourself there i think you get the what they were trying to do rating mm-hmm. and your reaction rating and we'll mm-hmm. put the two together and get an average okay uh, a one in a one. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It uh, wasn't that bad. Um, my reaction rating, I'd give it a two. Okay. Uh, because of just the things that I saw. But I'd go full three and a half for what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the acting, again, was solid. So it wasn't like any acting was bad and mm-hmm. it didn't throw you off. It, it still felt pretty solid. Um, an interesting side kinda, note: This movie was totally independently financed. It was a, it is an independent film. I and I, okay, I would give it a four then for what they were trying to do because I got the fact that it was low budget. Mm-hmm. I could see that and I could see some of the effects. So I thought if some of those had been executed a little better, but it goes back to some of the writing. I just wasn't and, and not the dialogue, but the writing of the story itself. So uh, I'll I'll settle for a three. How okay. about that? Well, that's funny because that was going to be my rating. <laughs> I, I I teeter between that and a four, but I realize the four is totally C and D driven because, yeah. because yeah. I, I went into it and I still, I like, I like the movie. I just yeah. do it. I, I don't disagree. Re- really? I honestly, there's nothing you said that I disagree with. And most of what you said made me rethink a few of the elements. And mm-hmm. it's almost one of those movies. And again, this is that C and D thing where I watch it. And as I'm watching it, I know full well like certain things shouldn't make sense. But in my head, I don't I don't want to go that deep on it. So, yeah. but then once I start to pick it apart and think about it, then you're like, well, wait a minute, why would you hear the footsteps? Wait, why would he wait on Halloween night? Now you can see, oh, because there's a lot of people out and he can blend in. But come on, he's a grown man walking around with a bunch of kids trick or treating, and he goes into a school. No one's going to see that. You know that kind of thing. So, yeah. so that being said, I give it a three. I think here's the thing: if you go in expecting more of a light kind of movie because it's only PG-13, you probably will be greatly disappointed. I think if you like weird, marginally disturbing ghost-slash-horror movies, you will probably enjoy it. It's funny, I started this whole thing off, gonna was going to ask you, PG-13, why? There's virtually no language, and there's a few words, but <laughs> there's no sex, and the violence, for the most part, is off-screen, but now... All right, it's not gory. Well, and I think the only... I'll be honest with you, I think I know why I got the PG-13, because when the guy gets shot, his brains go against the window. Um, but And they curse a couple times in it. But but the curse was barely... Is this 80s? This, they cur- those, like, those curses were PG. They were not... They didn't drop F-bombs. They didn't have any... There was no boobage. There's nothing like that, so... I say mm. it was I I would be interested to know, but my guess is that and or just yeah. the subject matter of a child molesting killer being out there like that. And I think the murder of the little girl. Like yes, the, yeah. The, well, yeah. That probably was right on the border. But I yeah, the brains was probably more. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, when he got shot. But 
yeah, it, it's it's if you like that kind of weird blend of and juxtaposition of thinking it's going to be light, but it's yeah. not a full light movie yeah. or thinking it's going to be horror, but it's not really a horror movie. It mm-hmm. just kind of bounces a little bit back and forth. And it's not really a ghost story. It's not like scary. None of the ghost stuff is frightening except for that kind of that POV moment. But even then it's, yeah, she's I, not I a- think his movie, I would, I would argue is very atmospheric and creepy. There's a creepiness yeah. to it, but it's yeah. always more in the ideas than in the yes. actual execution. No, I agree. I, I agree hundred percent with that. It's not, not a boo mo- movie. It's no, just a creepy, yeah, yeah. I would say it's even more. Well, we've said horror has to have supernatural. So no, no, I, I, would, I, I know horror doesn't have to have anything. You could say forget. No, I know, but I mean, just in our generalization. Well, yeah, yeah it, but just I think, in our generalization, but it does. It has obviously a supernatural bent to it. I'd say it's a horror movie. I definitely say it falls in that category. But yeah, but based, it's so much more of a thriller. You know, yeah, I'd say know. it's more of a. It's like a coming of age ghost story with socially conscious slash supernatural trappings. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what that meant. IMDb has it with fantasy, horror, and mystery. I'd, I'd give yeah. the mystery piece a big piece as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, A, if you've listened to this and haven't seen it, yeah, surprise. Uh, B, like Jason said, more likely if you've seen a handful of movies prior to this one that fall in this category, you probably will figure certain things out. I think I could see figuring out the th- the, who the who the killer is. I, I could see figuring that out easily by because I want to say the half there's something that happens at the halfway point I remember it's when Frankie tells him and the way he re- it's something there's a mo- couple moments where it was a little obvious and I think well that- and like the fact that he goes down to the that his big brother goes down to the basement and compares the class rings mm-hmm. to his dad's class uh, yeah. the ring that they find is in the grade is a class ring he compares it to his dad's and they're identical well they just said a few uh, uh, 30 minutes before that they'd gone to school together and that they were you know grew up together so i mean and the letter p was on the ring so even though it was a middle initial still uh yeah it's a give so, and and so i actually think my again going back to monday morning quarter pack it could have been interesting it would have gone a totally different direction potentially but if say there was no initials on the ring yeah. and there's two rings or they found this the one ring and we started to begin to suggest that maybe the father I actually, at one point, was kind of hoping that that's where it would go. But maybe it wouldn't. Maybe I just think making him a bit of a red herring. And then, yeah. and because the idea would be so almost, and now, in my opinion, you would have to absolutely, no pun intended, kill the child molesting, child killer subplot. But you could say, well, when he was uh, in high school, this thing happened. And, and no, who knows? Maybe he covered up for his friend. He knew something had happened, but he never knew the specifics. And he had covered mm-hmm. up for his friend because they were brothers, et cetera. You, yeah. know what I'm you could have yeah. gone and done this whole thing with that. Um, do you ever see Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon? Uh, I started to watch it. My wife was in the room. I had to turn it off. <laughs> well, I think it's a good movie. It's uh, based on a Richard Matheson ghost story. Yeah. And it's got that element of something that's horrible that's happened and characters maybe covering up. It's got that element to it. And I think that could have made this, but it's very much, actually you definitely should watch that because watch that with the idea of if they had gone more in line with where that movie is. Yeah. I think this could have even been more effective. Now, that being said, I still like it. I love the atmosphere at the beginning. It's debatable. And you answer this the best you think you can. Is it a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? (laughs) Because it starts in Halloween. Uh, with the kids scenes sure. where he's, uh, that's when the first event happens. And you can even say the adult scene at the very, very beginning is fall. Cause they drive through sure. fall leaves and everything. 
Um, but the majority of the movie happens in winter time. Yeah, well, after Christmas, after, yeah, after Halloween, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this whole time after. So it's still a Halloween movie because it's got those... It feels uh, Halloween Ghosty moments, yeah. yeah. It feels like a Halloween movie. I, I, that's one thing I really always liked about it, I still do, is the look and the feel of everything and it just the way they capture that yeah. feeling. I like that, so... And they did a good job of kind of capturing the uh, uh, 1950s typical suburban, mm-hmm. or 1960s typical suburban neighborhood. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, that felt really good, so... Now, interesting side note, and because I, I was a little mistaken on this, I think I may have mentioned to you that the director, Frank Lologia, this was the only movie ever directed. He had actually directed two other ones. One, about seven years before this one, seven or eight years. And then the other one he did about the same number of years after it. I think that was a TV movie. So this is the, he wrote, direct the first one. He wrote and directed this one. He just directed the third one, but that was it. And he didn't have, he doesn't, apparently now I actually found one interview uh, podcast uh, where it's called anywhere, but Hollywood is the name of the podcast. And they interviewed him. And apparently he now lives in some village in Italy. Really? Yeah. And and I get I, I the vibe of the interview was he's still trying to put together something for another movie, but the the, the it was just interesting the the idea of how you know he obviously stepped away. <laughs> you can't yeah. get much further than you know little we village in Italy. Stepped in. Yeah. 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 So uh. I just thought that was an interesting little trivia nugget. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we're both basically in the three territory because I mean I don't think even if you don't particularly love the movie and you don't and you see certain things coming. It's not a bad movie. It's just, no, 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 I don't, I didn't dislike it. Yeah. It just, you know, yeah, it wasn't, it's definitely not a four to five. Yeah. Four for me. If, it's, if I'm going purely on CND three, if I'm being fair. Yeah. It has that feel to it. It feels like explorers. It feels like Goonies. It mm. feels like these, you know, those with, if in those movies, someone got their brains blown out. <laughs> Indeed. Would you All like, right, so, uh, uh, before we, oh yeah, let's go ahead and get to our picks and then I got a, I got a question for you. Got it. Movie picks. Okay, so now we're into the pickage. All we're right. Pick it. Pick at it. Pick at it. You first, my friend. What do you All got? Right. All right. So I'm going for uh, one of the actors and uh, you mentioned him before. He's one of the two douchebags, which I never really got to get into. That's freaking hilarious, dude, because I think I picked the exact same person, but I bet we're different movies. Continue. Uh, probably. <laughs> Um, so he, uh, basically he's one of the two guys that locks Frankie in the room, uh-huh. um, which begs the question, if they're the ones that almost got you killed cause they locked you in school, why would you go with them later when they want to take you to a ghost house somewhere well, after? Well, Kids I also, I also wanted to be a real D bag and point out that Frankie's story at the beginning, I understand we're supposed to draw the connection. He becomes this famous horror author, um, deus ex machina, little Frankie, your story ends in such a trite way where basically the earth steps in and saves the day. <laughs> That's deus ex machina. God's in the machine. Come on, kid. Anyway, continue. <laughs> everybody, I love how everybody, even the teacher's so scared after the storm. I'm like, really? I know. It's like, oh, really? Come on. Come on. Was, yeah, that was not good. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's a anyway, story. Don't get me wrong, but anyway, continue. Yeah. But the two kids are little bullies, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, although I do like the part where Frankie punches one, apparently knocks him clean out. I know, that was great. Right up. That was great. But um, Donald was his name. And he was actually played by Jared Rushton. Yep. Uh, who was a child actor in the late 80s and uh, was in a number of things, including Big. Uh, he was in Overboard and a couple of things. But I chose... Overboard. Uh, 
1989, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Nice. Because it's a Disney movie, and he plays the neighbor kid. So there are uh, – I've seen this movie a million times. Um, as some of you may or may not know, my, my father worked for Disney for many decades. Uh, and when the, the Disney MGM Studios theme park opened in 89 – this was the big hit movie they had. And so they had a behind the scenes and uh, how do you do special effects and all this stuff based just around this movie. It was huge at the time. Um, and so I've seen it a million times. I've done you know all the backlot. I've seen all, all the props and movie and everything. But he plays one of the kids uh, that lives next door, all four of the kids, the neighbors and the, the kids that live in the house of um, – uh, uh, Rick Moranis is uh, a, a scientist inventing this shrinking machine and uh, the kids accidentally get shrunk and they're in the backyard uh, uh, and they have to make their way across the backyard. So the big thing at the time was they had created these gigantic sets to make the yard look giant, mm -hmm. right? like big giant grass and big insects and all this stuff. So um, Jared Rushton played uh, one of the Thompson kids from next door. Um, uh, Thomas Wilson Brown was the other one. He was the, the older guy. And then, um, gosh, I don't remember the, the ladies or the girl's name yeah. played it, but so anyway, uh, that, that was a big, big movie when I was a kid. So I've seen it a million times and there was some abominations afterwards, like honey, I blew up the kid where the little toddler goes on a rampage. I remember seeing that at the dollar movie. Oh, and then honey, we shrunk ourselves where, um, the only thing I remember from honey, we shrunk ourselves. Uh, I may have seen bits of it, but it had, um, the guy who was in the HBO special in the eighties, um, was it not necessarily the news? Yeah. Yep. At the one that was on HBO, yep. it was like a, was a, show. Was a regular show. Yeah. Of the news. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stuart Pankin was his name mm -hmm. and he was the improv comedian. Anyway, he was in it along with Rick Moranison, but the sequels were off. Don't go watch any of those. Even the original can't be, but, um, well, actually, anyway, I, I will add it. this there, little caveat, this little, not caveat, this little note. Uh, mm -hmm. showed it to him. I haven't seen it in years. Watched it with my kids for the first time about three months ago. Mm -hmm. They loved it. I actually thought the effects <laughs> held up relatively well for the most part. Like the bee thing. And yeah. I thought I was pretty... Yeah, yeah. Um, the part with Auntie, for the love of God, I had crying, sobbing children for like 10 straight minutes. Oh, when the ant died? I'm like, oh, for the... Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, jeez. I completely forgotten about that. As soon as I saw the ant, I was like, doesn't something happen with the ant? And then the scorpion, I'm like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> and I was just, dude, full on. My my poor babies, they were just sobbing. I was like, well, at least my kids are sweet and sensitive. Yeah, say, it's okay, boys. It's okay. I actually you probably kill 50 of those a day when you walk outside. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I I know. I, I went on YouTube and found examples of when they were built. I was like, thank God somebody uploaded behind the scenes of that. I was like, look, oh, here he oh, is. Yeah. He's still alive. See? There's a. <laughs> oh, God. They understand that, at least the two older ones, but yet, for some reason, man, they wanted no part of that. But they love the movie. <laughs> I still own it. I own it on VHS in the big uh, plastic clamshell. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, my, my uh, pick, and unintentionally, was because of the same reason as yours. I also picked because of Mr. Jared Rushton, because I was trying to find you know, the different actors, and obviously the director was kind of, I've not seen his other two movies, so there was that. I picked. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of choices. <laughs> not really. I picked mm. from 1992. There was originally the actor who played Phil, and I can't remember his name at the top of my head, was in a movie from the, I want to say it was the early 2000s, maybe 2001 or 2000, called Secret Window, which is a Stephen King 
adaptation with Johnny Depp that I like. Oh, I remember the trailers for that. I but, never saw that. Yeah, that but, but anyway, I figured keeping in line with Spooky Flicks Fest and the fact that yeah. we covered it a, a couple years ago, or at least last year, maybe it was, and then Jason Piles did in his bonus episode was uh, Pet Cemetery. Well, Jared Rushton was in Pet Cemetery 2 from 1992. Really? Yes, which also starred... The, that was the, Edward Furlong, right? Edward, from, uh... the, the man, the T2 man, Furlong, is the star of that, along with Anthony Edwards of ER fame and Revenge of the Nerds, who plays his father, a veterinarian. And I picked it for a variety of reasons. I, it's one of those movies, I don't even know if you'd say it's C&D. I guess it would be, because in 92 I was in high school, so let's just say my palate was what it was. And... Hmm? But for some reason, I saw this some years later in a motel, I think, or a hotel, and I just like it. I don't know what the hell it is. It's campy. It's goofy. It's nothing really like the original. It's not as... I find the original to be very upsetting in parts, but in a weird, yes. oddly good way. Yeah. And, and Pet Cemetery 2 is more over the top. It's sort of... you know, And it was directed by Mary Lambert, who directed the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen King did not write the screenplay for part two, however. But it also starred... Clancy Brown, if you're familiar with him as an actor. Oh, yeah. I, I he was in uh, Highlander. Yes, I love him. And do you know, you know, do you know what famous cartoon voice he does? You'll never guess, because I had no idea. I watched a documentary recently. I was like, holy crap, it is him. Arr, I know Mr. Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. Oh, that's right. He yes, is Mr. Yes, yes. Krabs. Like, holy crap. <laughs> so, yes, but he is awesome. And he plays the sheriff. He's this marginally, not really abusive at first. He's just... Ag- like aggressive and sort of like this macho Racist. jerk. Yeah, yeah. Just, he's just really a kind of a jerk. And there's this whole thing with the kid who befriends Edward Furlong. And there's a twist in this, a la like some of the things of Lady White, where you're like, they went there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I guess it's Pet Cemetery for love of God, so of course they went there. Yeah. But it was just disturbing, like just the whole tone of it. So, but yeah, I, I don't know why I like the movie. Like I said, 1982, Pet Cemetery 2, uh, the basic gist of ancient Indian burial ground, just beyond a pet cemetery, something dies, they bury it there, bring it back, big mistake, leads to a bunch of horrible crap happening, in a nutshell. Yeah, that works. And it has a really great scene involving a power drill and the line, no brain, no pain. <laughs> and you don't get better than that. <laughs> so yes, 1982's Pet Cemetery 2, that is my pick. My favorite movie with Edward Furlong is still Arachnoquake, and I'm not <laughs> going to let go of that one. So. Of course not. Of course not. Although you have to see he was Pet the Cemetery. women's softball coach. <laughs> What's neat is, if I'm not mistaken, he did Pet Cemetery 2, I think, right after T2. I'm noticing a pattern. He's uh, uh, <laughs> early on in the career there, the sequels. So Jay, did you have something you wanted to say after the pick, or...? Yes, so since this is Halloween night, mm-hmm. uh, or it's Halloween, right, um, and we watch stuff all month, mostly we watch a lot for the podcast, uh, but when it comes down to Halloween, it's all Hallow's Eve, mm-hmm. I sit down and snuggle up with a good movie. Uh, sometimes it's a classic, because it's an excuse to sit down and watch something I've seen a million times. Uh, I don't often watch a brand new one, but you know, sometimes I see one I haven't seen in a while, or one that I've seen a bunch. Um, what will you be sitting down to watch hmm. on Halloween if, if you, you have the time that you're by yourself and no kiddos are around? I was about to say, after I'm done taking the kids trick-or-treating and I collapse <laughs> in on myself. <sighs> See, I'm the guy that sits back and uh, uh, hands out candy and scares yeah. Lucky yeah, so. Um, hmm. That's a good question. So if you had your choice, just you're, you, know, you don't have to worry about the kids being there. You're just going to watch a movie. This year, I actually may watch The Changeling, from ni- not the uh, Angelina Jolie one, the one from 1980. 
Hammond covered that one, and I forgot how freaking creepy and and I was even as I was doing some research for that Martin Scorsese listed that in his top 10 scariest movies ever stars George C. Really? Scott George C. Scott's a ghost story supposedly yeah. the guy who wrote the screenplay claims it's loosely based on some real crap that happened to him whatever you yeah. read the details on that you'll be like okay dude yeah that's a nice PR yeah. move but it's creepy yes, exactly. it's creepy and it's a PG rated thing but it, and it's not it's not one of those where the ghosts are you know trying to kill him and yet none of that yeah. it's just yeah. it's creepy so mm. I might, I might, it's been a long time since I've watched that one. So I'm leaning towards that or I might just, you know, randomly watch an episode of, you know, the show Supernatural. I really have no, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm kind of waffling between, uh, uh, I haven't seen Black Christmas in a couple oh. of years since we covered it. Uh, I, and I just did see it one time after we covered it uh, again and watched it again. Um, I kind of want to wait till Christmas time. Yeah. Um, or The Conjuring is now out oh, okay. uh, for rental. So I'm, I, saw that in theaters we talked about that uh, Ooh, you just gave me an idea or i may watch halloween three season of the witch because oh that's yeah one, that's one of those that i know always, people always hate on it but i always remember liking it for some reason it's the non-michael myers one and yeah, it was where yeah. they were trying to Masks. actually yeah the whole mass things one yeah. more day to halloween halloween yes. halloween yeah. one more day to halloween silver shamrock and it was where carpenter <laughs> and deborah hill's goal was actually they did they didn't want to keep doing michael myers movies they wanted every year to put out a new halloween movie with it almost like an anthology everyone yeah, would have a different, new yeah which i think yeah. is an awesome idea but unfortunately it was in the middle of the slasher boom and you're like oh screw that crap man so yeah. I, I actually that might, might that might be worth revisiting not a bad idea yeah not a bad idea so we'll see my friend this is the last movie we have one more coming up it is the last hurrah so if you're hearing this it's too freaking late to leave feedback because we've already recorded uh yeah yes likely yeah, yeah. so uh ts on that one and well you could send us emails we'll still check emails oh, and yeah, stuff. we'll totally check your emails yes but if you wanted your feedback but oh i take that back if you want feedback that you just want to say something Send it to us now, and I could still like edit it in, but obviously we won't have a reaction to it. Yeah, yeah, we'll just we, yes. we cap it at the end with anybody else. Sure, so you sure. Be back all the way up until sure. Uh, yeah, have you the voicemail line still on site? So go check that out. And so that'll yep. be our last episode. That one is gonna I think be like the second Wednesday in November, I believe. Yes. So, uh, think so yeah so uh after that and you know in that one we'll talk about you know whether or not you should still stay subscribed and actually as soon as we get off this jason i both probably have to go but i wanted to mention one thing and i'm just saying this now jason which i'll probably edit this part out but i just want to tell you one quick thing so i'm saying that now so i don't forget anyway <laughs> so yeah if you want to leave the feedback we'll have that last episode second week in november yep. and uh that'll be all she wrote pretty much, it's pretty much a free-for-all uh i'm gonna go back and listen to uh, some of our old episodes, some mm -hmm. key points, sure. um, dig through some, some nostalgia because uh, this will mark uh, the end of this year marks our fourth year doing this. Yep. Uh, so I remember when we first started, um, when we first started, it was December 22nd, I believe. Right. But I mean, when we first started, when we met Batchelder, he'd already been doing it for like five years. Yeah. So I feel like we're almost to the point where he was when we started. Yeah, almost, but not quite. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be four years. So I'm going to go back and dig all the way back. Episode number one is our Tron and yep. Tron go de-res yourself or, yes. uh, um, but when we watch the original Tron and then the remake and then some of the episodes in between that are highlights uh, and I'm going to just pull nuggets out. So if you've got a favorite episode, um, go back and listen, get refreshed, think about some of our funny moments and, uh, 
Uh, we're just going to be walking down memory lane and, and talking just general movies uh, all over the place. So Indeed, indeed. And on that note, my Halloween loving friend, any final, final words? <sighs> um, yes, I will say this. This is not the last Spooky Flicks Fest because uh, uh, I got to have a reason to watch these movies. <laughs> October, and if I if I don't have the excuse of I got to do it for the podcast, Sorry, honey. honey, come on, you're totally going to be shot down. She's gonna be like, I don't care. I thought <laughs> <laughs> you're pretty funny. I like that. All right, well, on that note, do do you want one more final word? <laughs> <laughs> Hold your breath, Frankie. Did you ever see a dream walking? Hey, hey guys, uh, it's Peter. Uh, I was I was out taking a walk. Well, I still am, but uh, as you can hear, the weather took a took a turn for the bad. So uh, I had to find somewhere to get out of the rain and the wind. So uh, I ventured in here. Uh, it's one of uh, it's one of the old houses here. It's, it's uh, I think it's been empty uh, for a little while, for some time actually, because it's kind of dusty in here. Um, and uh, I've never been in here, which is kind of weird, because I like uh, best, uh, looking into these uh, abandoned places. Uh, it looks like most places I've been to, you know, smashed windows, furniture all over the place, what's left of it. So anyway, it, it keeps me out of the, as I said, out of the rain. And uh, what better time and setting, actually, <laughs> I come to think of it, uh, to uh, to wish you guys a, a, a happy Halloween. I mean, we are getting there. Uh, and also uh, the, the listeners, of course, uh, hey, guys, happy Halloween to all of you. It, it, it's it's been a great four years, right? And uh, sadly, uh, after this spooky flicks fest, it, it is coming to an end. But, uh, yeah, well, it is. It is. It is. Uh, we won't go into that here now. That's not why I did this. Um, I, I, I I've enjoyed this uh, this spooky flicks fest. Uh, there's been some great movies covered and. a great bonus episode so I hope we can do this again at the Spooky Flicks Fest because uh, I mean it is our favorite holiday I mean uh, with all the the horror and movies and, and so <laughs> oh, shit go